Thanks for tuning in to The Big Idea. I'm Michael Anderson. We've got a great show for you today. Our feature interview is with Connie Albers, author of Parenting Beyond the Rules. We hope to make the next 30 minutes a very good investment of your time. Today's show is brought to you by GEICO Local Office, car and homeowner's insurance for the 805. You could save up to 15%. Call Greg Mock of GEICO Local Office, 805-487-7847. And also a big thank you to our sponsor, Era Energy, powered by safety, innovation, and community. We help keep California moving forward. Well, I'm very pleased to have Connie Albers as our feature interview today. She's the author of the book, Parenting Beyond the Rules. It's available anywhere books are sold. She also owns ConnieAlbers.com, a website talking about parenting and many other things. Connie, thank you for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me on the show. I'm looking forward to our time together. Well, I want to jump right into talking about your book, Parenting Beyond the Rules. It deals a lot with parenting teenagers and the difficult things that parents go through. And you've raised five kids yourself. You've been at this for over 20 years now, and this book has just come out. I'm very excited about this. So share with us some insight to the book. What's the objective of the book? What are you trying to help people with in parenting beyond the rules? That's a great question. I want parents to realize that there is hope for the teen years. So many parents dread going into the teen years, the attitudes, the mood swings, the pushback, the talking back. And instead of looking forward to these great, great years of watching your child move from a child to an adult, they dread them. And so the book offers hope for parents in the tween and teen years by giving them tried and true principles and some tips and techniques that can make the parenting journey much more pleasant. And I guess the overarching objective is I want parents to build lasting relationships with their teen years. That's why it's beyond the rules, because parenting lasts for a season, and then when our children turn 18, I want parents to enjoy the next season of being with those children that they have raised. So that's the overarching goal of Parenting Beyond the Rules. I really appreciate that, and and it makes me think back to my teenage years, and my children are young. I don't have a teenager. I have a three-nager at the moment, um, my three-year-old. But let's talk about the teenage years and, and parenting. How can parents be more prepared for the teenage years? It really starts by having a vision of what you want for your family. You know, I often tell parents when I speak or I do interviews, and I'll, I'll just ask moms and dads, what's your vision for your family? What do you want your family to look like when the children no longer have to come home, give you a call, do anything. What's the goal? Uh, and think about that. What do you want in five years and 10 years and 15 years old and 15 years from now? And then my second question is, do your children know what that vision is? Have you shared that with them? Do they, have you painted a picture of possibilities? Yes, today is hard. Yes, today we're dealing with attitudes, mom's attitude and the teen's attitude or dad's frustration and the teen's frustration. But Today's just a 24-hour period. Let's get a bigger vision. Let's expand that to your kids thinking about when I'm 20, when I'm 25, I want to hang out with my folks. I want to go to a movie together. I want to just go have dinner together. I don't want to turn 18 and go, see you later. Thanks for the upbringing or not. And so that's the picture that I, I want parents to get is get a vision for your family and then Share that vision with your kids. How do you come together with the idea that sometimes that vision may have role conflict? 
For example, <laughs> as a parent, you say, I need to teach them that it's so important to be respectful of time and respectful of some of these soft skills that they seem like they're not learning. And I want them to learn that so bad. That's so important. But at the same time, I want them to want to spend time with me when they're older. And how do you, that seems like a difficult thing to navigate. Yeah, well, let's not get it confused. I mean, when you are the parent, you aren't their friend in the middle of the teen years. You are the parent, but that does not mean you have to be an authoritative dictator. It means that you, as your parent, as your child grows and changes, you have to adjust. You have to adjust to their changes. And what does that actually look like? For instance, let's just say, instead of just saying, these are the rules of the house, do them or else. Well, you know what a senior is going to say. How bad is the or else going to be? Maybe it'll be worth it. <laughs> right. And so that is, that is a real truth that parents face. I had to face it. So we rephrase that. Let's represent that whole concept of, you know, this is how we do things. Use we and us, not you or me. It's we do things. So it starts by getting a team mindset. And what does a team mindset do? Well, in a team sport, and I would often use illustrations, I'd have them watch, you know, football games or basketball games. There's not one single person who wins the game. I mean, it's a collective effort of everyone practicing together, everyone carrying their weight, everyone giving their best effort. And when one does not, or a couple players don't carry their weight, or they don't take care of themselves, or they're not giving their best effort, then the whole team suffers. And when kids can make, when we make those analogies and help paint a picture to these children of where we are going, we, we obey the rules um, that, that are laid down. Because people think, well, parenting beyond the rules mean that there's no rules. Absolutely not. We have to have rules. Rules keep us safe. I mean, you can't give your, ch- your teenager the keys to the car and say, see ya. I mean, there's rules. There's parameters. There's limits and boundaries. But your child, as they grow and mature, as their temperament starts to be formed, let's just say you have a very compliant child who wants to please mom and dad so badly. He's not a risk taker. He's going to be very cautious in everything that he does. Well, that child, you can give them a little more freedom because you know with the freedom that's given and the responsibility that comes with it, they're going to manage it wisely. However, you may have a child who is more of a risk taker. They're constantly weighing the consequence. If I don't come home by curfew, what's the worst that can happen? I might get grounded for a month, but staying out late is going to be worth it. So for that child, you have to talk to them a little differently, and that's get them to go along with you. This is what we're going to do. This is how we do things. You need to be in by, let's just say, you know, whatever your curfew is, 10 o'clock p.m. You have to be in at 10 p.m. because we all have to get to bed and get up for work or school the next morning. Okay. There's just the key word of saying, okay, automatically mentally gets that child thinking, okay, I don't agree with it, but okay. Whereas if you sit there and say, be home at 10 o'clock or else, well, you've automatically set yourself up for conflict with certain children. Does that make sense, Mike? Yeah, I think there is definitely a motivation to comply that if you frame the question in a way that is too authoritative, their motivation to comply may be inverse of what you want, and they're going to oppose <laughs> you. I think you described that well, though, the team mindset, the we and us instead of I and you. I think that's interesting. It makes me think 
today are today's kids different than kids 30 years ago and is, is parenting different today than it was 30 years ago um kids are not different in a sense of they're still growing i mean kids have been transitioning from child to adult forever i mean that's just there is a natural adolescent period where we lay down childishness and we start to grow and mature into the adult we're, we're designed and meant to be correct what i'm saying is that part isn't different the desire to run our own lives, to manage our own day, to make our own decisions, that's really the same. What is different now that did not exist is the enormous peer pressure. So in my book, I write one of my chapters is understanding their world. When we were growing up, we didn't have the Internet. So technology is neutral. There's nothing wrong with technology. It makes our lives easier. I mean, it's thanks to technology, we're doing this interview and you're broadcast to millions of people. Technology is neutral. The internet isn't safe. When we start to help our children understand, when we are immersed in understanding the peer pressure that's placed on these teenagers starting very young, eight, nine, ten years old, which is interesting because uh, many people, I've been getting a lot of feedback on the book that uh, they're saying parents of, of nine, eight, nine-year-olds need to read this book. So they get the mindset going into parenting how they need to shift and, and adjust. But so teenagers are relatively the same. They're all trying to grow up and become the adult that they are meant to be. But as society has changed with social media, internet, chat rooms, the dark web, that's put our children more at risk to be bullied, to be getting into places they shouldn't be into, to see things that we would rather them not be exposed to. And therefore, the expectation on your children to just not get up and go to school every day, the expectation is 1.5 seconds your child is to respond to a text. And if they don't respond to that text, then their peer group can start really harassing them. That's the part that is different. Peer expectation, peer demand, and FOMO, which is fear of missing out, um, that has reached really crisis mode because teens are so discontented with the life they have and they've got a false belief that my connection through two friends through devices is somehow a real connection when in fact it is a connection but it's only a surface level maybe a level two because people are putting their best moments online and when they do pull back the curtain and be vulnerable then they're often touted, taunted, maybe even encouraged to do self-harm. And those are the new parts. Now, the second part of your question was, is parenting different? Yes, because back in the day, parenting used to be my way or the highway. These are the rules of the house, obey or get out, or sweetie pie, do whatever you want. I know you're such a good soul. You'll never do anything wrong. So you had the authoritative and the permissive parenting, and that was about it. Now we have got a whole host of different parenting styles, the helicopter and the hovering. And both of those entered the parenting style around the time the internet became more of a dominant force. Um, parents were nervous. What were their kids seeing? What were they being exposed to? So they would hover and sometimes they would helicopter in to swoon in and, and rescue that child from potential danger, which is good. I mean, if you have somebody posing to be a 13-year-old and they're, you know, a 30-year-old, and they're trying to carry on conversations with your child, then, yeah, parents need to step in because they are the parent and they are 
responsible for keeping that child safe and protecting that child from dangers they don't yet know. And then, of course, the lawnmower parenting, and there's even the next one, which is the sweeping parent. So as the culture has shifted, it has required that parents be more engaged in the child's life and their daily activities because danger is lurking ever close within the confines of your house. I mean, you can't just close the door and keep the bad guys out anymore. The bad guys creep in, you know, when the child's in bed and you see the sheet illuminated under, the sheet is illuminated when it's lights out because somebody's texting or they're trying to have a conversation or, or things like that. So the one thing I say to that is parents have to master the art of the pivot. We can change and adjust to meet the needs of our child. And I would say to your listeners, remember this, as your child changes, you adjust and it's okay to adjust. That doesn't mean you're being wishy-washy. It means that you are raising the child you have, not the one you wish you had or your neighbor's kids. That that specific child that you have, that's the child you need to parent. We're talking with Connie Albers. She's the author of the book, Parenting Beyond the Rules. It's available everywhere books are sold. And also she has the website, ConnieAlbers.com. The book did just come out and we encourage you to check it out. Connie, you're talking a lot about technology and how that's really prevalent today with parenting and with children. And, you know, I I have three young boys myself and Mm -hmm. I want to be a solid parent. I recognize that technology is such a prevalent thing that I feel like I'm not keeping up with it enough as I should. How does a parent keep up with technology? <laughs> that's, that's, that's like a two-edged sword because if we get involved into it, how much do we get involved? To that, I always say you got to know your child. Um, some children, and like with your three boys, I'm sure if I were to say, hey, tell me about your kids, you would describe each of them very differently because they have a different temperament. They have different strengths, they have different interests, they have different gifts. And so when we talk about technology, when do we introduce technology? What devices, what control, what parental controls do we say, do we allow them? I mean, what parental controls do we put on their devices? How much do we ask, you know, where are you? What are you doing? How much do we check up on them? It really depends on the child. One thing I do say is if parents wait till the child is 16 or 17 years old, to allow them to kind of get on the Internet, so to speak, that isn't enough time to help them learn how to navigate the massive powerhouse of information that's within the palm of their hand. So I often tell parents, as you start to introduce different technology, different apps, make sure that it is a we and us. We use this as a tool and a resource to grow business, for commerce, for pushing a a movement and a cause, I would always tell my kids, you know, fight for something. Let's let's not fight, but, you know, be for something. So I'll give you an example. When your children get ready to go off to college, and it's hard for you to think about this because your children are younger, but this is where I say, all right, start getting this vision now, Mike. What what do you want for your kids, right? And how do you want to navigate that? When you start telling them, we're going to be doing this and this and this, all you're doing is putting a seed of possibility within their mind and you water it as you go as you go as you go when the tech when you start introducing the technology this is why we use it tell them why you're using it why do we do it this way why don't we just give you unfettered freedom with devices why do we need to have some boundaries placed on this 
Well, because children left to themselves can get themselves in a whole lot of trouble, as you and I know. What we do is we have to just step back and say, all right, colleges, over 50% of colleges check your child's social footprint before they accept them into their college. Why? Well, because colleges want to look good. They want your student to make them look good because they get a lot of grant money and, you know, they don't want bad publicity. Secondly, employers use your child's social footprint for those summer jobs when they're in high school or those internships that you that they so badly want to get or the real job out of college that they want. So when they go to those social profiles and they see, you know, inappropriate content or comments that are disrespectful or hurtful or kind, it makes them do a double take. Well, maybe we really don't want this person working for us or going to our school. However, when parents say, listen, we need to create a positive social footprint. One, that you have this voice. You have this, you may be young, but you have a voice. What are you passionate about? What are you interested in? Maybe it's the pug society and your child just loves little pugs. Well, let's find all the little pug sites and let's start educating other people on the beauty of a pug. So when we teach our children that they have a voice and they want to shine a light on something that they care about, maybe for my daughters it was human trafficking. They were both very passionate about creating awareness on something that was happening in our culture. Others had a passion about the sharks. I mean, they just loved sharks and they wanted to protect sharks and educate people about sharks. I live in Florida. Those were just things that my kids were interested in. The way you help your child find and discover this is by paying attention. What is it that they talk about? What do they read about? What do they like doing? Maybe it's building structures. So you help them find an architectural site you built who makes really cool things. You know, they make designs or buildings. And then they share those and talk about them. And they educate or promote or create a positive awareness about something in their culture. That one teaches your child to use technology as the tool and a resource it gives them less time to go clicking around to things because of boredom two it makes them attractive to colleges and three it makes them attractive to employers and lastly it doesn't allow their mind to become saturated with a you know a bunch of garbage that is out there and it keeps them away from many of the bad actors we're talking with connie albers author of the book parenting beyond the rules Connie, you know, I myself sometimes feel addicted to my phone and technology, and it bothers me, but I am, I feel it, it's there. And sometimes with my kids, I'll see them saying, hey, dad, I want, you know, I want to play with your phone or I want to do this. And meanwhile, I'm on my phone. I'm saying, no, you can't play with my phone because I'm using it. And maybe it's for a purpose. Oftentimes, to be honest, I'm probably not using it (laughs) the most efficient way, but, but I'm modeling to them. And I worry about that sometimes, the extent of my own addiction to this technology sometimes and what I'm modeling to them. Can you speak to that a little bit? Oh, absolutely. You phrased it just right. Parents are the primary influence in their child's life when your children are little as well as when your children are teenagers. Sometimes we think that we're not friends are the most important thing in our kid's life. Friends are important. But they not they aren't the primary influence unless we advocate our influence, unless we just say, eh, whatever, which most responsible parents don't do. But what you wisely said is, I am aware that I'm doing this, and you're already thinking, what will this look like when my child's 10, 11, or 12? And I'm going to be 
having to wrestle devices out of their hand because I haven't modeled self-control myself. I am sometimes more interested in the lives or the, you know, the perceived lives of other people or news that may or may not be accurate than I am in watching them play Legos or throwing the ball or sitting and playing a board game. So you've got to be thinking several steps ahead. My action will create this habit in their life because I'm modeling it. And if it's that, if you are aware of it, then limit it and tell them why. Why is mom and dad limiting it? Well, because you are valuable to me and our time is precious and we don't get as much time together as I would like. So I'm laying, we're laying the phones down, device-free night, it's zone-free meals. You know, whatever those things for your family are, you implement it and you tell them why. And then as they get older, it's already built into them. Oh, we don't do that. Our family doesn't get on their devices during dinner. Our family doesn't play, you know, games when we're out with other people at a restaurant. Our family has device-free Friday or something that is memorable, that is consistent. And you always say, does that make sense? You know, does that make sense? Okay. You know, we don't do that, okay? Oh, okay. Kids will listen to what we have to say when they know we care about them more than we care about our own self. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think you're you're touching on a lot of great things. And, and I think, you know, the importance of congruency of what we say and what we do and who we are, I definitely observe sometimes, and I want to ask you about this too, sometimes... I see parents say not to do something, then they themselves do it. And, you know, we don't break the rules. And then there they go, you know, doing something where they're breaking the rules. And how does that impact a child in their own trust and and what's going on with parenting? All right. The children need three things, especially in the teen years. I mean, it's very easy when they're little to cultivate close relationships and trust. When it gets a little more dicey is when you do this, do as I say, not as I do. But when you sit there and you say to them, you know, this is this is the, the why, this is the how, and I know that my actions are going to have a direct relationship, a direct correlation on what you do. So I want to look for defining moments. I want to teach to defining moments. I want to paint pictures of possibilities. We want to make sure that when we have not followed the rules that we've set up. Now, it is true. I mean, as I say that, I'm, I'm going to say it is true. Children aren't going to give the same freedoms that mom and dad get because they're not mom and dad. They're still children. They're still growing and changing. But when we take the time to just explain, just communicate, mom and dad do this because we are adults. You are learning, and this is this is what you need to do. So what I often see happen is we create all these rules, these limits and boundaries, which are absolutely necessary. They keep our family most of the time from chaos. Certainly we want our children to be safe and protected, so not with danger. We want to obey the law. But those same rules that we have created, those are unique to our families. For instance, some families they just they want those that kitchen sink clean before they go to bed because the next morning everybody is hurrying up to get lunches made and get out the door and get to work or get to school. Some parents they could care less if the dishes are done. They just want to make sure the floors are picked up. Um, some parents don't care about any of that. So understanding that it is your family, you're establishing what works for your family, 
And then when you start to see pushback from your child, go to them and, and find out why. Schedule a family gathering, a family meeting, a time where you can say, hey, listen, I have given you a list of work that needs to be done around the house because these dad works and, and if you're married, mom works or mom, you know, however your family dynamic is. Everybody has a role to play. And the way that we, we run smoothly is everybody does their part. So your part may be sweeping, sweeping the kitchen floor or putting away your toys at the end of the night or whatever it is that you have written down on that piece of paper. And once you tell your child that and they start resisting it, um, then you've got to re, you've got to reevaluate it. For instance, my daughter got to a point where she didn't like that I would write her list and put it on the refrigerator. Then I have five kids. I needed lists because that's the only way I could stay sane <laughs> is knowing where everybody was and what they were supposed to be doing because after a while, you can't remember all of that stuff. And it really started to bug her that I was treating her like I was treating her younger siblings. And I had no idea. It's just as she was growing up, it was something stirring in here. I'm growing up. Why am I still being treated like a child? And she came to me and she said, Mom, I think I don't need a list on the refrigerator anymore. I know what I have to do. I looked at her and I went, okay, fine. Took the list off the refrigerator, handed it to her, and I said, just have it done by Friday. That was reasonable. Well, Friday came and it wasn't done, and Saturday it wasn't done, and Sunday it wasn't done. We started a new week, and I said, hey, I noticed you didn't get any of your stuff done. Have, have you had a super busy week? Did you forget? Is this a, a period of adjustment? And then she started to realize I'm not quite as responsible as I thought I was, and we had to revamp, you know, to revamp again. So I took the list off the fridge. She still had the same amount of responsibility, but now instead of her checking it off like the little children did, then she just had to come and let me know I've done what you've asked me to do. And that's an example of knowing your child, asking them what's going on, giving them an opportunity to say, Mom, I am just so stressed. Maybe they're working a part-time job. Maybe they have a lot of school. You know, maybe somebody at school really said something unkind or in, you know, if they're in sports or something. And all they can do is think about how hurtful that was. And, and frankly, sweeping the kitchen floor is the last thing on their, their mind because they just lost their best friend and they're devastated. When, when we go to that child with the understanding of there's something going on, how can I help you? I'm willing to pivot and adjust. We are working together. Let's bring you in on this conversation. Let's engage in conversation. Let's make some changes, and then we'll go at it again. I love it. Connie Albers is our feature interview today. You can get more information about her book. It is Parenting Beyond the Rules, and you can also get more information online at ConnieAlbers.com. Connie, thank you for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. Our feature interview was brought to you by Boyd & Associates, the largest family-owned security company in Southern California, established in 1967. For your home and business security needs, visit BoydSecurity.com or call 805-650-3267. Well, that does it for our show today. Thanks for tuning in to The Big Idea. Don't forget, you can find The Big Idea on podcast. Check it out on iTunes. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. 